Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. If it is your first time joining us, we hope you enjoy the show. You can follow us on social media, Twitter and Facebook, at No Nonsense Pod. If you're a long-time listener and you want easier and faster access to all of our new episodes every Wednesday, you can do that. You can get that by following or subscribing to the show wherever you choose to listen. Guys, we have got a uh, disappointing one to to, to cover today, a, a crushing one to talk about for the Titans as we recap their divisional round loss to the Bengals and in turn the 2021 season as a whole. Watching that game, specifically watching from the last Tannehill interception through the McPherson winning field goal, to me was the equivalent of this situation. You it, you are with your, your buddy, just hanging out, and then all of a sudden his or her significant other comes in and just starts screaming at them. Like, no holds bar, you mother bleeper, you know. Just starts reading them the right act and screaming at them. And you're in the corner, and you're like, oh, no, gosh, please end this. Please stop. Right? That's what I felt like watching that. Because I was watching the Titans come crashing down. I was watching that stadium go from being fired up, thinking it was about to get a win to being bereft and silent. And it was uncomfortable watching the Titans blow that game. Just, just, before we get into the reasons why, before we break down who's to blame and all that, just brutal, man, the ending to that game. Yeah, it, it, brutal, brutal is the right way to, to say it. Um, it is just so... It is so annoying to to turn the ball over as many times as the, as the Titans did, um, and even with that, they still had a chance to win this game, and they had a couple of chances. Like even on the drive before the interception, um, they get a turnover on downs on a play that you just expect Derrick Henry to get uh, a yard or or whatever it was, one or two yards. I can't remember, but it's just it was just really annoying, man. Really annoying, um, and it reminded me a lot of that Ravens playoff game. Um, when the Titans were the one seed, uh, I think they were the one seed. They at least had the bye um, in, in the 2008 season. It was the same exact game. Like 
the the Titans just kept turning the ball over, uh, and then the other team just gets a last minute, last second field goal. Um, and you feel terrible. You feel terrible because that's just not the way you're expecting your team to go out, and it just it just really hurts. But I mean, it's a lesson. It's a lesson. You can't win playoff games. You can't win NFL games when you turn the ball over uh, as much as the Titans did in this one and as much as the Titans have done in a couple of previous games this season. And I mean, I'm sure it's going to be a point of emphasis going forward in the, in the next season, but it just sucks. It really does. Yeah, I mean, it definitely sucks, obviously, how it went down. It sucks that the narrative now is the number one seed is poison for the Titans, and even if they get it, they'll never have actually earned it. And now, I mean, I guess there there could be a scenario, but it's just like, you know from here on out, if you're the one seed, they're going to bring up these last two years where you've been the one seed. If you're lower than the one seed, they're going to talk about how you're not as good as this team, this team, this team. And, you know, at this point, that's just kind of the reputation you earn until you prove them right. Because, uh, you know, for as much defense of the team as there was going into this game and all season long, like this is what everybody said they were going to do. And this is what they did. So, you know, it's, it's, it's brutal to have the things you've been defending against all season confirmed right, wrong or other. Like at the end of the day, it's if you win a game or not. Yeah. All those national media types who were spending the weeks leading up to that game, calling the Titans, you know, the worst one seed ever. And, and how did this happen? They're patting themselves on the back right now. Because like you said, Will, it might not be factually correct. But in a way, like it was confirmed with the way that that game ended. And, you know, every time we approach this Titans not getting any national respect thing, they tend to kind of blow it. And And every time, it's the old... Uh, Matt Neely quote, right? Matt Neely, I remember he he would tweet that his dad used to always tell him, uh, you know, they'll only let you down, son. They'll only let you down. And and it was the classic Titans letdown. And look, right, this was a good football team. It, it was close to being a great football team. 12-5, and five, number one seed. I'm a big Vrabel fan. You know, I, I love some of these pieces that they have. I think they've got a good core. We'll get into the reasons why it didn't go well. But... They did what they always seemed to do. They brought the fans up, pulled them up to the sky, got them so excited. I mean, I was down there in the stands for the Derrick Henry intro. I mean, it was just electric. And then they bring them crashing down right afterward. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's awful, man. It feels terrible. And, yeah, the fact that everyone just gets proven right um about the team and I, I don't i don't know if necessarily they get proven right because i think a lot of the takes about the times were a little outlandish and a little exaggerated um but like they turned the ball over uh, three times like you you can't do this in the nfl playoffs um and to come out after after the derrick henry uh intro everyone is fired up and on the first play of the game you throw an interception i mean what a what an awful way to start! Thankfully, the defense did its job. They played amazing and, and they tried everything they possibly could um, to get the Titans a victory. But you know, uh, the, the quarterback and the offensive coordinator together just did not allow that to happen. Um, and, and yeah, it, it just it just feels bad because this felt like this felt like the year that the Titans could really 
make it to the Super Bowl oh, and, and possibly win it. Because, like, no one really has shown pr- to be capable of being an elite team this season. And the Titans have beaten, had beaten the two remaining AFC teams and the Bills and the Chiefs. Uh, they had beaten, no, they beat everyone. They beat the Rams and the Niners also. Like, this was this was a match, a, a, a road made in heaven. Um, but it just wasn't to be. And when you turn the ball over, it's just never going to be. Yeah, like, they had the one thing that, you know, the rest of the teams really didn't have, which was multiple threats to rush the passer and, like, a really good, like, defensive front. Like, the rest of the teams, I mean, I guess the 49ers, not the 49ers, the Rams may have that and Donald and Miller but and with Floyd. But even then, like, they kind of just abused the backup right tackle on – uh, Sunday when they played, but but they they may be in the same league. But other than that, like the AFC side especially is just dominated by like offenses that you know they they have to put up thirty five points because if they don't, they're going to get gashed for big plays and lose the game. But yeah, like it, the the Titans lost it the only way they could have, which is turning the ball over. And and the thing about those turnovers, and, and we'll get into this when we talk about Tannehill, of course, but you know that that was a problem all season beyond Tannehill. They could not hold on to the football. They had six out of their eighteen games this year. One third of their games, they turned the ball over at least three times. That's just unacceptable. Four games with at least four turnovers. I mean, how wild is that? And, and and no one could ever, from, from them, it's not our job to, no one could ever put a finger on what was happening. They just were addicted to coughing the ball up. They got over their adversity addiction, right? They detoxed from that, and then they moved on to being addicted to coughing the ball up. Yeah, and addicted to slow starts on offense, which, once God, again, the exact, the exact same thing. We, like, we, the, did the we not played them. Did we not have that conversation each of the last two weeks? I wrote a column about it last week. Three times out of 18, they scored points on opening drives. 17 points all season on opening drives in 18 attempts. Just terrible. Yeah, and uh, shame on us for expecting any different. Well, I don't know if we I expected didn't. anything. Yeah, I didn't different. expect that. <laughs> But um, it was worse. Like, it was actually worse because this was more than one drive that really went poorly. I mean, it took them, let me see, one, two, three, four, until the fifth drive for them to actually put a decent uh, offensive drive together and score a touchdown. And then it just went back. It went back to normal. Like, nothing. The They didn't break the seal. Uh, they just ended up having terrible drives again. They couldn't get anything going on offense. Uh, Derrick Henry looked like, did not look like Derrick Henry. Um, it was just, it was a disaster, and it was just so frustrating to watch because that game was right there. Like the Bengals cannot block anyone, man. Well, what one? Well, go ahead. I, I'm just, I want, there's something you mentioned I want to hit on real fast, but but finish <laughs> what you were saying. No, no, I, I was pretty much done. It was just like I can't believe they wasted that defensive performance. Like any other team in the league wins that game with that defensive performance, but not the Titans, I guess. Well, what did you think about Derrick Henry? Because I, I didn't, I, I wasn't, you know, like appalled by his performance. Whereas I had people in my mentions on Twitter being like, "Well, they should have let Foreman be the running back one," because clearly Henry stunk, and and now I'm seeing like. 
people talking about trading Derrick Henry. Like, I, I didn't think uh, he was that bad. I thought he wasn't, you know, well, Henry King, but yeah, it was fine. I mean, he was he was their third rest, best running back. I mean, it, it was it was bad. Like the the really? problem is, yeah. Well, the problem is they gave it to him on that fourth and one, and he, he had no he shot so, on that fourth and one. Well, but he's there's there's been times when he's had no shot. But when it's fourth and one, all you really have to do is get to the line and fall forward when you're his height. Now, could he have got to the line? I don't know. Now, uh, that's for a different time. The, but, you know, it was one of those things where you kind of expect him to be able to do something or make something happen. He didn't. They gave it to him on the one-yard line for the two-point conversion. He couldn't get that. He tried to bounce outside and stiff-arm a guy, and he fell because he didn't really have his timing right, and he didn't really have his balance. I mean, he... The the worst thing for him is that Foreman was very clearly better. Like, and it, that's not gonna happen. Yeah, that's not gonna happen every day. But if you're what, and as soon as Henry was active, there was no chance that Foreman was getting split in touches. We said that at the time. It made you know that that's what it felt like. But Henry was just not Henry. Like he like. Uh, not he wasn't King Henry, and he was kind of like early season, like 2019, 2018 Derrick Henry, where it's just like too tentative to kind of hit the holes when they're there, not really getting anything more than he should have. And, you know, usually we would blame that on the offensive line, but man, Foreman came in and just looked different. I mean, looked so much more physical and faster. That 45-yard run was friggin' awesome. Bouncing yeah. I mean, off a guy, like staying. I mean, that, he looked like Alvin Kamara on that forty-five yard run. Yeah, I mean it. Yeah, like I, I, I don't know because they took him out for they took Henry out. I think after the first drive, or maybe it's after the second. And I think they gave two the two next drives to Foreman and like I, I don't know. Like I mean, like he they didn't give him the ball enough for it to really have made an impact, but like. He looked good when he was in. And then, you know, Henry had the like the wildcat touchdown thing, which that works more from a like schematic standpoint than anything else. Like it, it it's because you get that's a way to get him in space with smaller guys and use his power, or he can dive up the middle if he thinks that is the better idea. Like that's it's a good play call. It's like one of the few that we have. But like outside of that, like I mean, he really just didn't look like he had it. I think everyone can agree that the two biggest problems, no matter where you rank them, the yes. two problems for the Titans on Saturday were the quarterback and the offensive coordinator. Agreed? Agreed. Yes. So, let's talk about each of those things. We're going to start with Todd Downing. But I think we should preface it, this and the Tannehill conversation, we get that they went 12-5. and five. We get that they had the number one seed, right? The Titans are not in some dire situation. Th- this conversation is not us saying, you know, man, they had that loss and the future looks grim because look at who they're going to like. I-, I did the exercise on Twitter today. Like, it's going to be basically the same team next year. Like, everything's fine. They're going to win the division again next year. They're going to be favored to do so, you would think, with the Colts collapse and people kind of, being out on them. But that being said, let's get into Todd Downing. What are the problems? 
what went wrong, what should have gone better? Uh, same thing as always. Uh, my biggest issue with him is he has no rhythm uh, for any offensive drive. Like, even it, it could be for one drive, and then the next drive, he just either does something completely generic and doesn't capitalize on what was working well, or even within uh, a known drive. Like, after the, the Bengals scored the touchdown and started the second half, uh, the Titans are running down the field. Everything is great. Four straight runs, I think it was. Uh, between Henry um, and then Foreman, that 45-yarder. And then he runs uh, an RPO bubble screen to Chester Rogers. I don't it care just, what it the just, situation is. That play sucks. It needs to be thrown into the garbage. I, it, it's it's unbelievable. Like I understand Like Mike Hilton made a great play. I don't know if Tannehill should have thrown it. It, it. it was a little, I don't know. I, 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 the person I'm going to blame for that one is Todd Downey because there's no reason to run that play from the nine yard line when you had just run four running plays that all worked um, and they got you down there. And, and this, this has happened. This has happened all season. Um, and the slow starts also like, I, I don't understand, man. How do you not game plan better for a defense that you had probably two weeks to prepare for because they were favored against the Raiders and probably were, were going to beat the Raiders. You knew you were probably going to play them. How is that? How was that? How you come out for the first four drives of this game? I think after the Foreman run, the next play should have been obvious. They should have given Foreman a rest after he did that. You bring Derek back in and you run that zone read, right? That was the time for the zone read, not necessarily the third and one. Or just give the ball to Foreman again, or like, Henry. It, it, either one. Yeah, anybody. Like. I, it's it's very fr- like there's a lot of things that that he does very wrong. So, uh, now everybody's talked about it at this point, but that's the only RPO the Titans run, and I believe they run it out of the same formation every single time. Are you talking uh, about the zone read? No, 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 no. The RPO, the pa- the, the oh, the uh, stupid pass. Rogers bubble thing. Yeah, it like they do it. The, supposedly they do it out of the same formation. They've done. I know they've done it when it's like. I don't know if it's an, a true RPO or just a quick pass. But they've done it when they have like Julio isolated or somebody isolated, like on one side with one on one and safety help overshaded to the other side. But like this specific thing is like, let's get it to Chester Rogers in space. And it's like, if it had worked a few times, okay, keep doing it. But it's never worked. Was it, like, was it no flags film that made that thread? Talking about all the times they've run this play and like the best it did was like five yards. No, uh, well, sorry, I don't know, but prop, but like he, that would sound correct. Um, so that's bad. You know, not not for the first time. Uh, they had Julio Jones on the sideline during uh, the final drive, right? Like it was. Yeah, uh, that was confusing. But I mean, honestly, I feel like that's not a downing thing. That's either a Rob Moore or a Mike Vrabel thing. Not specifically having Julio out. I don't think Vrabel said no Julio this drive. It's their we've talked about this on here before, the the rotation stuff they do at receiver. Yeah, and that's fine, but in critical like they don't rotate Simmons off of the goal line on third and one. Yeah, but Simmons isn't like, a receiver. That's what we're talking about here. 
No, but what, but they do rotate defensive tackles a lot. What I'm saying is like you have to be situationally aware enough when you have a full week to prepare. Well, yeah. Maybe or sorry, two weeks to prepare. Maybe one thing you really try to put in is getting Julio in in your two minute offense. Yeah, I'm not saying it was the correct decision or even near that. I'm just trying to explain. Yeah, what, what they mean, typically do. Yeah, and and again, like okay, that's fine, but. It, that that is an unacceptable response to why was he not out there on the final drive of the game? Like it, that, I don't know. I don't know what he doesn't know about the offense after a full year and two weeks of prep for this that he couldn't be out there. But there's no reason to me why he shouldn't have been out there. Like, it, if you're gonna go in a two minute drive, it's not like you're gonna have 45 plays. Like you don't need to rest your guys then, and if you do, it, rest them after. Well, I mean, like. Like arrest him in the middle of the drive and switch personnel or whatever, but like have him out there on those plays. Like maybe rest him when you're past the fifty and you're trying to get in field goal position, not when you're trying to get past the fifty. Like it, it does. It really does. There is no excuse, whether it's a Vrabel thing or whoever. It, it is an unacceptable outcome. So there's that. That's that's a bad thing. Like the the Henry splits are bad, but it's just what they do when Henry's in. Like, like when Henry's in, he's going to get 20 touches, whether he's good or bad. Like, it's been that way. It was that year, that way last way. Sorry, it was that way last year when he was, you know, bad early in the season or just unproductive early in the season, and he really worked himself into form and had the season that he did. But it's just that they're never going to take him off the field if they don't have to. So that's another bad thing that he does. But I don't even yeah. think you've gotten into the meat of the problem yet. And I'm I, I'm one hundred percent with you on the downing stuff. Like you're you're burying the lead, man. You're I mean, talking about Julio not being out there for a few plays and Derrick Henry splits. You're you're we're we're missing the uh, what's it called? What's the what's the phrase? The the smoking the meat gun. And potatoes. Yeah. Yep, you, you guys. The meat got potatoes, it. a smoking gun. All right. Well, go ahead. No, I mean like. The problem is, it's like what Matias was saying, right? There's no rhythm to any of this, but, you know, I'm not a film guy. I'm not going back and breaking down all these plays, but the film people that I trust are, are showing us these things where it's like, it's like the Terry Robisky stuff. It's not, it's not uh, stylistically the same, right? They're not doing these two-man play action routes with eight-man protection, but what they are doing is running these passing concepts that, like, have no end to them. It's just kind of yeah. random. Yeah. No like, one could so, get open. No one could get open on like half of the passing plays. It's, it sucks. One one of the plays I wish I could just like project to everybody right now is there's a play where AJ Brown caught a pass. I, I believe he was going from the right side of the offense to the left and he caught a pass where he ended up outside of the left hash, but it really it was like a deep slant that like, or like an intermediate. The like cornerback roster. stopped, right? He like yeah, stopped. well, yeah, he yes. stopped, and so did uh, AJ Brown. Like they, they both were like, okay, the play's done, and then Tannehill spins out and finds him. But it's like on that play, it's like that. There's no. It, it seems like there's nothing for AJ to do except for clear out that route and stop. Like th- there are so many plays when it just looks like there is an inefficiency to them, like. There are big parts of the field where nobody is, where there should be a receiver taking advantage of that, or there's two people in one place, or it's all bunched on one side. Like there's, I I can count on one hand the times this entire season where there's been a play where 
AJ Brown, Marcus Johnson, anybody has been in the position to catch the ball and had has been in space and has been able to get yards after catch like a significant amount. Like other teams do it to the Titans constantly, and Arthur Smith did it constantly. But this this offense, it's like half the times the guys catch passes and fall down because. Like there's no there's no hitting them in stride because they're all routes where you stop. Like they're not routes where there's like a natural pick. Like it's just so many bad things. Like I, I don't I don't know what they're trying to accomplish. And then it's that, and then it's you know run on the left side towards uh, uh, Swaim or somebody who doesn't get a block, and then it's second and twelve. And now you're scrambling to pull out a good pass play when you don't have one in your playbook anyway. And so you just resort, resort to screens or whatever. And then the talent just of it, we talked about it all year. The, the only time this offense has been successful is when they have had the talent to overcome the bad schemes. Like then that compounded with turnovers that have happened all season long. Like it's just, it's just been bad. Like I, from start to finish, there have been very few games where it looks like Todd Downing has known what to do and who to target. And it, I mean, that, that is the biggest concern is that Vrabel doesn't seem like he's in any hurry to change that. You know, if you're a Titans fan and you watch uh, that 49ers Cowboys game in wildcard weekend, and then you tune in that Titans game, you're like, why? It is a crime that they don't get AJ Brown the football more. He had nine targets in this game, five catches, five touches for 142 yards with a long of 41. So take away that long, which was which I believe was the one-handed touchdown. I think that was the – no, the 41 was a play action. Whatever. Take away the 41. You're still at four for 101. And, and I'm not saying use him like Debo. I'm not saying put him as a running back and hand it off to him. I'm saying that the teams in the NFL that have a special player, whether that's you know Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Stephon Diggs, they get that guy the ball a ton. And I know, well, actually, you know, the the excuse is, well, you know, the Titans don't really operate that way. It is a spread it around. They don't want to highlight anyone. They don't. Have, they don't seem to have a problem with that with Derrick Henry. Just go back and watch this team over the first seven weeks of the season before that guy went down. Because it was that guy and a whole lot of nothing else. They had no problem running the entirety of that offense through Derrick Henry. And all I'm asking for here is to run your passing game through A.J. Brown and to get him the ball more. He is a special player. And y'all know me. I'm not Mr. Handing out the... The, the 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 trophies right I, I'm not that guy AJ Brown's a stud he is that dude you got to get him the ball more yeah you, you said you're not saying uh to give him carries but why not he is one of the best after He's, they have after before the and he's done well on it now well, the the AJ the AJ Brown pass that needs to be thrown wherever yeah, you put the Chester gone. Rogers screen. Yeah, friend of the podcast, Teron Davenport, uh, asked uh, A.J. Brown after yeah. the season was over if he would mind being used in like a Debo Samuel way. And 
if you look at the quote on paper, it looks like he's agreeing to it. When you watch him say it, there's a very long pause <laughs> when he's like, I'll do whatever the team wants me to do. And that's that's like, it, it, you, why would you do that, though? Like, that's the thing is, like, you have running backs. You don't need to put him there. Like, put him in space for, versus Yeah, corners. you know, I like, tend to give well, Derek Henry a carry before I give A.J. Brown a carry. Yeah, or you know, if you got Mitchell like, as a running back, well, maybe that's a different conversation. But you got yeah, a Hall of Famer. Like, sure. that's but get him on an end around a jet sweep. I don't know. Give him or just yeah. They don't even a screen. I don't know. They don't even throw screens in. They throw them to Chester Rogers, which makes no Westbrook sense. Akina for and no by, reason. And by the way, I know we're not we're not on Tannehill yet, but AJ Brown was facing ten yard off coverage on that Chester Rogers screenplay. Someone should have noticed that. But the RPO, yeah. Oh, you wanted him to like check out of it and do that. I mean, someone Tannehill Downing should have called something else, whatever. But uh, that, that's just an aside. They got to get AJ Brown the ball more. The, I, you know, I don't want to call this offense broken because I I don't think it is. I think it is problematic. And I made the Robisky comparison for that specific thing of. The passing game makes no sense conceptually. But this offense is not broken and unwatchable. It is just supremely ineffective at times. It's pretty unwatchable to me. Um, I don't know. (laughs) But I I also saw a lot of bad offensive football um, in, in all the other playoff games from this weekend. So... I don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm expecting too much, but I don't know. I just, I'm assuming Downing's going to be back for another year. Hopefully he can have the Shane Bowen renaissance in his second year, although Downing has already done this in the past with the Raiders, and we we all know how that one went. So I'm really not too optimistic, Um, hopefully with everyone healthy, and hopefully everyone can stay healthy um, and adding a couple new pieces. Maybe the offense could be a little better next year, but... I don't think we can ever expect, at least with Downing as OC, for the offense to be anything close to what it was in 2020 under Arthur Smith. I mean, there's a real easy question for this. Who looks better in this offense than they did with Arthur Smith? I mean, does the line look better? Henry, maybe? No. Did at the first of the season. But, I mean, Henry did because he was getting, uh, like, yeah, yeah. 200. He was on pace for... A hundred and fifty more carries than he had last there. You're, like, you're right. Yeah, I guess. I guess maybe Henry as a receiver. NWI but, was a little better, but I, I think that's a Rob Moore thing, not a. Swain, well, I think that's maybe? because <laughs> that's like uh, the only one I get. Not think a big Jeff I mean, Swain fan. Yeah, yeah I like, but like he wasn't getting chances because Ferkser and John. It's not. It's not like Swain was playing just as much, and he had a breakout season. It's like yeah. Like the offensive line looked worse. They they constantly looked that they were struggling, even when they were healthy. The running backs didn't look as effective per target. The wide receivers didn't look comfortable. Obviously, the tight ends. You know, uh, the one real guy you have to look at is Ferkser, and he looked a hundred times worse than he did the year before. Like that. There's like Tannehill did like never looked comfortable and was constantly like. The some of the biggest plays they made were after he got hit and he was scrambling, or when he had to move around in the pocket because something wasn't like it. It's I don't know. It, it's it's tough. Like I don't know who he's helped. 
I don't. I don't think he's helped anyone other than he helped people not have to learn new terminology on offense. And like even like like a, a group the offensive line together as a whole. Like Nate Davis looked bad early this year, and he was playing like, at an All Pro level last year. Yeah, Questenberry looked good last year. Questenberry at left tackle in this offense looked much better than he did at right tackle this year uh, under Downing. Like, and I don't know if he's. I don't think. Westenberry's good, but and and I don't really know if it's just you know maybe it was because he got to play next to Saffold instead of getting next play getting to play next to Nate Davis who wasn't as comfortable and I don't know what it is, but like everybody looked disjointed and just like they didn't understand even to a point where it looked worse than when Arthur Smith was taken over with Mariota at quarterback like it just it all looked bad so I, I mean. That's my big thing is like we we can we can and we will talk about Tannehill and how he cost them the game this this playoff game. But the larger picture, the person who has hurt the Titans the most over the last, you know, four months or whatever the regular season in this game is, is downing. And it's not it's it's really not close. You know, honestly, I don't really know where I am in terms of the 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 priority of like Who's more at fault? Is it? I, I know you think it's Downing. I I don't really know where I am. I I don't know that it matters a whole heck of a lot. Matthias, do you have like a leaning on that? I would say probably like sixty percent Downing, forty percent Tannehill, maybe okay. sixty-five, thirty-five, something like that. I maybe um I, I, I maybe would go. Hmm, I don't know. We'll we'll talk about Tannehill certainly in a minute. Now, are we talking about for just this game? Or yeah, are we talking about over game. the course not of long like, term, the offensive not over regression. the season, just yeah, against just Cincinnati? Yeah, okay. Because I, I think if, you, if, if the question is why was the offense fundamentally worse all season than it was under Arthur Smith, I think you just answered your own question. It's because Arthur Smith's not there anymore, and the guy who replaced him isn't very good. We're going to take a break. When we get back, we're going to talk about the Titans quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. We're going to talk about just how bad was he or, or was this mostly a Todd Downing problem. And we're also going to answer the question that I try to answer in my postgame column, which is can the Titans win a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill? We'll be back in 30 seconds. You're listening to No Nonsense, Tennessee Titans podcast. Can the Titans win a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill? Um, you know, after the game ended, I tweeted uh, that we can't win the Super Bowl with with him as our quarterback. <laughs> um, and then I saw some of the other games, and then I was like, maybe we can win the Super Bowl uh, with him at quarterback. And then kind of delved into you know some of the quarterbacks that have won a Super Bowl, like Nick Foles uh, going on a crazy run, Eli Manning winning twice, yeah, um, and some of the some of the other game managers. Granted, it really hasn't been happening. Um, too much. Um, but even the ones that have made it, um, you know, they've been kind of middling. Like Jimmy G made the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Jared Goff was having a great season, but he's not a very good quarterback. You know, Matt Ryan. I, I don't know. Like, I, well, I, I the, think the, the time there's a there's a common thread between two of those guys that you mentioned, and they both had Shanahan calling plays for them. Um, when yeah, they made well, it to the Super Bowl. <laughs> 
that goes back to the downing thing, doesn't it? Yeah. So I don't but, know. Okay. I, I yeah. Well, let's think, talk about this. I think they I had can. This pulled I up. think they can. Uh, not not the whole concept, but just the quarterback. So it's part of like a, a bunch of stuff I've looked at, obviously, because I've had to have this conversation. So in the last ten years, uh, Eli Manning won a won a Super Bowl against the Patriots, yes. where he was clearly the worst quarterback, like not in the league, but I mean, also not the best quarterback in the playoffs, or like close to that. Yeah. Um, Flacco won it in twenty twelve. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Peyton Manning won it with his noodle arm against Cam Newton's Patriots. Yeah, but that's I I I know that he a it's still Peyton Manning. It's still his brain, and b there's still the that all time defense he had. Yeah, but the the question isn't can he win it if they have an all time defense. The question is can he win it? Can, can you win with this quarterback? I would argue that Tannehill, on average, is better than noodle arm Peyton Manning, and I don't think that's debatable. Um. Then you have Nick Foles, who won it in 2017. And then you have the year that Tom Brady won it when they were in that 10-3 to or 13-3 to Rams game or whatever it was yeah. when he didn't throw a touchdown and he threw an interception and that was like his only contribution. And so it's like, then you look at last year. It's like, I mean, Mahomes had zero touchdowns and two interceptions and looked terrible. And, they, and I'm not saying t- Mahomes is a bad quarterback. It's not, my point here is that the best quarterback rarely wins the Super Bowl. Uh, the the MVP has not won the Super Bowl in 20 years. So yeah. so it's like the que- the question to me uh, the, like the, the question isn't, you know, do the Titans need a Pat Mahomes, a Josh Allen type to win the Super Bowl? You know, they don't need Aaron Rodgers. The question is can Tannehill do it? I think yeah. so. I think so. I, I I'm going to say yes. Um, I don't know if it's, I feel it feels like a hot take at this point, given everything I've seen on Twitter. Um, and even I tweeted that, that <laughs> no, we can't win with him, but I've just kind of taken a step back and realized that it takes a lot of other things to go your way for you to win a Super Bowl. Like, do you think Tom Brady has seven Super Bowls just because he's one of the best quarterbacks of all time? Partially. Yes. But also he is one of the luckiest football yeah. players that we have ever seen like that game against the Rams the Rams almost choked it away with four turnovers like you need so many things to go your way in order for you to like actually reach the Super Bowl and win it that I think we can do it even if Tannehill uh you know doesn't play as good as he was in 2020 or the second half of 2019 so let, let me explain why I think they can't and I'm going to give two reasons the first of which is just a fact, and I don't think there's going to be much counter-argument. The second one, I know Will has been preparing to respond to the second one, so get ready for that. But the first one is, Matthias, you bring up, right, you have to have a lot of things go your way. Will, you brought up a few examples. You know, I thought of Peyton Manning and that all-time defense he had. You know, Joe Flacco is playing on the other side of Ed Reed and Ray Lewis, and they're really well-coached and all that. Tannehill had the luck. I know the play calling was not good, and he was not necessarily put into favorable positions. But in terms of what he was working with in that game, the nine-sack defensive performance should have outweighed everything in terms of did he have a shot in that game. Because every time that anemic Titans offense took the field, 
and then three plays later left the field as Brett Kern walked on. By the third quarter, you were saying to yourself, I'll get it back in a minute or two. First, they're going to run the ball with Mixon, then Burrow's going to take a sack, then they're going to throw short of the sticks, another punt, right? That's what Tannehill was working with. He could not have gotten anything better from his defense. Not possible. Never been done. Only one other time in the history of the NFL postseason has a defense recorded nine sacks. They were unbelievable. Blake Bedingfield brought up at at halftime, former Titans scout, I know you don't like him, former Titans scout, that they might as well have just been playing with four offensive linemen because their right guard was getting beaten so badly by Jeff Simmons consistently. So that is my argument number one. It's, It's in one game... Tannehill was working with something really, really special in terms of what was going his way on the other side of the ball, and he couldn't do anything with it. And need I remind you and everyone that the question is, can Tannehill win a playoff game? He, he definitely, he's won two. Granted, it wasn't really needed in those two games. Those were sort of dominated by Derrick Henry, but Tannehill's won two playoff games. The question isn't, are you going to go one and done with him every year? The question is, are you going to win a Super Bowl? I don't see Ryan Tannehill winning three straight or four straight postseason games. Here's reason number two why I feel that way. This is the third year in a row. Will, Will is chomping at the bit to respond to this, and I'm interested to see what he has to say. But I've watched this guy three years in a row blow it. Now, the Chiefs game, blow it's probably strong for that Chiefs game mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in 2019 in the AFC Championship. The Titans were overmatched. They were heavily uh, underdogs in that game. They they had already outlived their life expectancy. But still, you know, Tannehill did not rise to the occasion. He did not take the charge, you know, whatever. So that game is, is sort of mildly evidence for, for this idea. I think the Baltimore game is 100% evidence of this idea. That offense laid an egg against the Baltimore Ravens, an offense that, by the way, was number two in the NFL during the regular season. And this is becoming a trend with Ryan Tannehill. He's 30-13 and 13 in the regular season. He's been a Pro Bowl level regular season quarterback outside of this year because he had some turnover issues. And then this year. So we go from overmatch, probably doesn't count against him, still it's not like he played great, to laid a big egg, total 180 from the regular season. Two, he had a meltdown against the Bengals. The evidence we have right now allows serious doubt that Ryan Tannehill, when he's needed, is ever going to step up and take charge in the postseason. The guy's 33. It's not like he's going to develop. That, that is my case. I'm going to let Matias speak first. Oh, I was going to let you speak first. But um, I, I, I feel like you probably have more to say and maybe a little bit more anger <laughs> than I do. But um, I will say, I I don't for some reason, I thought that Kansas City uh, game from 2019, I thought he played worse, but I, I, I was wrong about that. He was actually perfectly fine. Derrick Henry couldn't get anything going, and, and Tannehill really had no help, and he still ended up playing pretty well, um, well enough. Um, to possibly win the game if if the defense had been able to contain Mahomes. But obviously, easier said than done. The Ravens game, yes, he didn't play well. The offense was very poor. I didn't like Arthur Smith's game plan 
in general. Um, and also they were very shorthanded at receiver. So I don't know, like Tannehill didn't play uh, well in that game, but I don't know if I would go so far as to say it as he personally um, choked in that one. This one was bad. This one was bad. I will admit. Um, I don't know if he was at fault wholly for the Mike Hilton interception, uh, but I would say for the other two, he was. And I do think uh, he ended up costing them the game um, in addition to to downing. I, I think they, like we talked about before, they both had blame, but Tannehill definitely uh, played a big part in it. But I just, I, I keep taking a step back and I keep realizing that he was incredible last year. Even like this count the playoff game, like, it, it, it like that was just a bad game plan in general, and, and the times were really shorthanded receiver. But during the regular season and, and in the 2019 postseason, and in the in the second half of the 2019 season, like this guy was awesome. He was great, and all of a sudden he gets a new offensive coordinator, and even the offensive coordinator can't get Tannehill to play well with Julio Jones on the team. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It just it's just. I keep going back to to this isn't normal for him to play to play like this after we had already seen it uh, for a year and a half. I will say this too, like you you mentioned, Matias. Derrick Henry has also failed to show up in the last two playoff games. Really, the last three. Now this one, you can blame the injury, or whatever. But you know your best player's got to show up in the postseason, and Derrick is is clearly their best, and he has failed in that measure. But will your rebuttal? Okay, so you kind of got to go about this in a few ways. Uh, First, we all have to understand and admit, because we already have, that the Bengals game was decided by uh, Tannehill and Downing. They were the two contributing factors in the loss. Yes. Now, this is where people get tripped up, and I told both of y'all to watch the the previous playoff games because I was going to talk about it and that this was going to be a talking point. Whether y'all did that assignment or not, that is <laughs> up to you, and that's that's something you have to live with uh, in your heart. <laughs> uh, but so, as, as I, I just went back, I watched this. I've seen these games twice. Um, in let's go back to the Kansas City game. In the Kansas City game, the the Titans were up seventeen to seven. Right? Uh, they had. They really didn't move the ball well. I mean, the whole time they didn't move the ball well. Like they, uh, like Henry had uh, 19 carries for 69 yards, so just at three and a half yards per attempt. Like that's not great. Um, uh, the problem is in that game they had him 17 to seven. It was I think in the middle of the second quarter, and the defense all of a sudden just started getting absolutely cooked. Now, if you listen to Wesley Woodyard or other defensive players. The rumor is that that's the game when Vrabel took the play calling out of Dean Pease's hands and, you know, the rest is history. Like uh, the Titans end up, you know, I think, I think uh, Tannehill had two touchdowns, zero interceptions in that game and had passed for 200 yards. Uh, I don't have it right in front of me, but I know half of his completions were first downs. He had 6.7 yards per attempt and Oh yeah, I do have it. Two touchdowns and zero interceptions. So that that ga- that loss is put on him retroactively because nobody's going to blame Derrick Henry and people have forgotten to blame the defense. I, I'm but, not putting that loss on him. I I, I don't think no, I said okay. that. I no, but okay. Then let me let me. Skip Some to people this. are. I've seen yeah. that on 
on Twitter. Something. Yeah. And let, thank you. And all I'm saying is he could have been better, and he failed to elevate them in a winning manner. That's all I'm saying. And I would say he was the best skill position player in that game. He was the best quarterback, best running back, best like wide receiver. Like of that group, he was the player that played the best at that position. Um. Now, what I would ask that I'll skip ahead to a future point is if the Titans had the defense from Saturday in that game. And they're up seventeen to seven, and you know Tannehill's not going to turn the ball over. Do you think they lose that game in Kansas City with a ten point lead? Well, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, so well, I'm so, so Tannehill. Because this is the I'm that's the scenario that happened, right? And we, I mean, we have hindsight; they did lose. Well, what I'm saying is. You put the the reason why they lost that game is because the defense stopped containing uh, Mahomes. They started letting him run around, and then after that happened, it was just a complete free for all. Now, having seen this defense against Kansas City this year, and having seen them against the Bengals in the postseason, if you drop this defense into that game where you know Tannehill's going to finish with two touchdowns and zero interceptions. Do you think they win that game after they have a seventeen to seven lead? Yeah. So I say yes. Yeah, Dude, but I think they could have beaten the Chiefs this year. Now, I don't. Yeah. Did you now, watch Sunday night? That I mean, I watched. This I did, season and I watched them try. Like, I, yes, look, exactly. Look, they, they, we're we're getting off topic because. My point here, but you're saying they could have won if with a better defensive performance, and I'm saying you're not going to get a better no, defensive performance against I'm the not Chiefs in the postseason. I'm not. I'm not saying they need a better defense. Uh, we better saw, defensive I mean, performance like, than what they got say, against the Chiefs. We say that. I mean, the Bucks beat the beat the hell out of them last year in the playoffs. Like killed them. I, I mean, fair. Well, I mean, yeah. That, that's granted. The so, Bucks had a, a really, really good defense, but I, I, I think the Bucks. Bucks defense is comparable to the Titans. The Bucks were so fast and explosive, and the Titans just bully you to death up front. But like you're, you're right, we're getting excited. Let's let's jump to Baltimore. Well, okay, uh, okay. Well, then we'll have to revisit this in a second. Oh, so well, in no, Baltimore, if there's more. There's I, I didn't realize there was more to say. Well, the question is if 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 the question is can Tannehill win the Super Bowl with the Titans? If you put this defense with him, and that's not even like their better offense that they had in 2020 for most of the year because they didn't do well in the playoffs. Like I'm saying, if you put him, if you put this defense on that team, they win that game and they're in the Super Bowl against Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers. And I don't think they lose that game. So what my, my whole point with this is we are cherry picking this performance from Tannehill. And we're saying they lost the other two games. We're not going to say anything bad about Derrick Henry, even though he hasn't averaged more than three and a half yards per attempt. And I'm not even saying it's his fault. But what I'm saying is, in the last three playoff games, he's had 19 carries, 18 carries, 20 carries. And that's fine most of the time, but if it if he's not ripping off big gains, especially if there's a running back who's doing more, there are times when that hurts the team on fourth and one on two point conversions and a close game. Like there are times when that hurts the team. Now, again, this pass loss totally on Tannehill and Downing. That's fine. But my point, and, and I'll talk about Baltimore in a second is that the, that 
Tannehill is not the reason we lost the Kansas City game. Like that, they—that's not why they lost that game. Agreed. So, m- moving on beyond that, the Baltimore game again, six point seven yards per attempt, one touchdown, and the interception. I posted this clip on Twitter, and you, sh- everybody, should go check it out. When he throws that, when he throws that pass, and I'll send it in our group chat right now, so you guys know what I'm talking about. When he throws that pass to Khalif Raymond, all Khalif Raymond has to do is turn around and catch the ball. All he has to do is act like he doesn't explode as soon as he touches, uh, <laughs> I think it's Humphreys. Like, it's you're not asking him to bully him. I just sent it in the group chat. Uh, you're not asking him to bully. Like, you don't need him to go up and get a pass. All you need him to do is not turn around and fall. And that pass is right in his lap. At worst, it's an incompletion. So, again, another game where Henry averaged 2.2 yards per carry in that game. Like, that's... Well, I'm not... I want to clarify. I'm not saying Tannehill lost them either of those games. I put the Chiefs game on the defense just being overwhelmed by Mahomes, and I put the Ravens game on John Robinson because once Corey Davis went down, they were screwed because they had zero receiving depth. But okay. what I'm saying is we're seeing a pattern of Tannehill not showing up. And then this weekend, he did lose them the game along with Todd Downing. Okay. So, again, that yeah, I agree with the second point. The whole not showing up thing, in those two games, they scored four touchdowns, right? In Kansas, the Kansas City game and Baltimore, they scored four touchdowns total. They Three of them were from Tannehill passing and one of them was from Derrick Henry running it's it, it's not Tannehill not showing up in these games it's Tannehill showing up but the just the structure of the Titans offense when the running game doesn't work and you have some like I, I will never advocate that they should take the ball out of Derrick Henry's hands that's not the point of this and I'm afraid that's what it's going to get turned into but my point is when the run gets shut down constantly and you find yourself constantly in you know, third and nine, second and nine, all those situations, it just it puts you in a bad, you know, there's no rhythm, there's no game script for that. And at a certain point, like, it gets difficult to maintain. Like, these weren't these weren't blowout losses. There, It was 35 no. to 24, and so it was an 11-point no. loss in Kansas City. And then it was, right. And so what I'm saying is, is I don't think, uh, again, other than this weekend, like, so in the Baltimore game, like in the Kansas City game, 6.7 yards per attempt. Uh, over 50% of his uh, completions were for first downs. He had uh, two touchdowns in that game and one touchdown and an interception that I don't put on him in both of those games. Like My, my thing is what you should expect, what, what a good Tannehill game should look like in the playoffs. And what we have seen before and what makes sense is he's not going to get a lot of volume in passing. So you're not going to get a 200, 300-yard game if you're controlling the game. You should want 6.7 yards per attempt, multiple touchdowns, and no interceptions. And you should you should want him to get first downs on half or more of those plays because, or more of his completions because that's how you move the chains. And if you're in third and nine, you know, third and seven, all that, like, that's all you really need for this offense is you move the chains, you get a new set of downs for your for Derrick Henry, and then you see if you can make something happen then. So the overarching 
question is, can you win a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback? I would say that all the data says yes, and that this is the outlier. But the problem is the Titans lost in Kansas City, which was totally fair. They lost to the eventual Super Bowl champions. Like, there is no shame in that. Tannehill, two touchdowns, 200 yards, uh, no no interceptions. Like, that's that's a good game. Like, that nobody, nobody should knock him for that, and I don't think any of us are. Then the Baltimore game they lost and the offense didn't do well but again and I'm again I'm not saying Derrick Henry is a bad running back but he had 2.2 yards per carry and that was on 18 carries Tannehill and AJ Brown scored the only touchdown of the game and then the interception to end it was when Khalif Raymond just fell down so I don't I don't put that loss on Tannehill and I also don't know what more he could have done when Corey Davis went out and you're going against those defensive backs that the Ravens had last year and they're giving AJ Brown special attention and you're not getting anything from the running game. So like go ahead. Is your argument that they need not a superhuman effort from Derrick Henry. I'm not talking about like the Seattle game. But are you saying unless you get you know, 18, 20 carries for 100 and 115 yards from Derrick Henry that they're probably not going to win. What I'm saying is if you give a running back in any the running back, yeah, it, yeah, really in any game, if you give him 20-ish carries and they haven't broken a long run or they're, they're under four yards per attempt, there has been... Any offense would struggle, is what I'm saying. So, the problem is, the Titans offense has unwavering confidence in Derrick Henry. And again, most of the time, that's not a problem. But again, when you just, that's not sustainable. Like I I agree with that, which is part of the reason that I don't think he can win a Super Bowl with Tannehill, because I don't think you're going to get three or four of those performances in a row in, a, in the postseason against the best of the best from Henry or the running game in general. I mean, and that, that may be true just in terms of you may not get that from the running game, but then the answer is you need a number two receiver and you need them to be out there on the field all the time because AJ Brown's great. Like, and in fact, I think most Tannehill games when he doesn't turn the ball over like he did this past game, I think he and A.J. Brown would have been enough. Because if they just don't have the interceptions and he and A.J. Brown hook up like they did, then they're in the divisional round next week. But, but the, So the, the number two receiver thing, and Matias, I'm eager for you to jump back into this conversation. It's been a while since we heard from you, buddy. Um, yeah, that's, why I let, that's, why, that's, why, that's why I let Matias talk first because I was like, I have a lot of stuff to talk about. <laughs> I, I was intrigued. It was a good conversation. <laughs> He had the number two receiver in each of those games, except for up until the last drive and the last two. Kansas City's got A.J. and Corey Davis. Baltimore's got A.J. and Corey Davis up until that last drive when Corey Davis went out. And this past week in Cincinnati, Cincinnati, he had A.J. Brown and Julio Jones up until the last drive. Right. Julio's been going in and out, so I don't know. Yeah, but we're talking about one game. We're not talking about the the postseason. Go ahead. Go ahead, Matias. <laughs> I just, I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know where I stand because I'm so, I'm so on the fence. I, it's not that I'm trying to play both sides. I really just don't know. Like, I like Tannehill. I think he's good. He's not great. 
Um, and I just I think maybe you can win a Super Bowl with him if Derrick Henry is running hot, or even if we get a decent offensive coordinator. Like I, I don't know because I've seen Tannehill with Arthur Smith look like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Is he just not that anymore? Like I don't know if we can we can just say that. Like has our opinion on him changed? I don't know because so I think a lot of us thought the 2018 or excuse me the 2019 season was going to prove to be a mirage and then it really wasn't because he backed it up in 2020 and and the three of us spent all off season like I, I'm not Jared Stillman I haven't been like hating on Tannehill for years I, I loved Tannehill before this season the 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 many turnover meltdowns kind of jaded me but for me it's just the and, and and this can be the last thing I say on it. I think that you have to have someone in the postseason who, when it's not all working, when it's not seamless, when you don't have the big Derrick Henry game, someone you can turn to and say, you find a way. You know who did that? Joe Flacco. You know who did that? Nick Foles. Nick Foles wasn't sitting back dinking and dunking in that Super Bowl against Tom Brady. They had him throwing down the field, and he did it well. Joe Flacco, in that divisional round game against Denver, at Denver, against Peyton Manning, still in his prime at 36 or however old he was, it didn't all go well. They were behind. And I'm not saying that that, you know, Jacoby Jones touchdown over Raheem Morris was some heroic thing. He just kind of flung it up and a coverage was bad. But Joe Flacco stepped up and made plays in that game in a way that Tannehill has not when the running game hasn't been there. That That's my piece on this. I don't really have anything else to add. It's interesting you mentioned throwing down the field because Tannehill was throwing down the field pretty well in this game, no, yeah. obviously, to A.J. Brown. Uh, probably should have done a little bit more of that and maybe involved Julio Jones or someone else. Uh, in there, but that just didn't wasn't in the game plan. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I can't. I don't know how to look at this. Um, I also think I hate. I hate to say that like a thirty million dollar per year quarterback needs more help, but I do think so. Like Ferkser was not really himself for all of this season. They got to get a he tight end. Come a, whether they've got Tannehill or uh, Joe Montana, they got to get a tight end. Yeah, they need a tight end, and we have tried to make NWI a thing. It's not a thing, man. It's it's just not – that's not happening. Trip Rogers, Rogers is also not a thing. I know. I know. We really, like, try to sell ourselves on him as, like, a great slot receiver uh, in the offseason. That did not prove to be true at all. Des Fitzpatrick looks like a bust already. We try to get Racy McMath involved, like – I, I maybe maybe we were expecting too much out of the offense when you kind of go back and, and look at some of the talent that has actually been put on the field and they just they're not good they're not good players and, and maybe 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 Tannehill just needs a little more help and, and honestly that's fine because what quarterback doesn't need help I mean Joe Burrow has Jamar Chase T Higgins Tyler Boyd Uzoma who looks like one of the better tight ends. Uh, in the league, Joe Mixon is one of the better pass-catching running backs in the league. Like, I don't know, man. Every every quarterback needs needs help, and, and I don't know if Tannehill really had enough. Will, yeah, your final so, word on the Tannehill debate. 
Oh, I'm sure we'll talk about this all off season. This there's no way this is the <laughs> On last this thing we'll talk Tannehill about. debate. Um, yeah, but like, so let's talk about something else too. Like you, you were talking about Nick Foles. Like he also had Frank Reich as his OC and Peterson as his head coach. Like he had a good offensive, like minded staff. Like it's not like he was just like the only way we're going to win it is if I rip it deep. It's like, well, no, one of the touchdowns was to uh, Ertz that was like uh, up the seam. Like, you know, he wasn't throwing to bums and all that. And Alshon was having a great year because he stayed healthy. Like the thing is, I I think no matter who it is at quarterback, whether it's Mahomes, whoever, you have to have two players on the field that you think can be game changers at at the skill position, like just as skill position players. So, like, last year, Brady had Gronk and Mike Evans and Fournette was hot. Like, uh, you know, Mahomes Antonio Brown, has, Godwin, he had everybody. There you go. Like, yeah, like, and, the, you know, and, and we can do this for every team or whatever. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, like, it, Kelsey and Hill, like, famously are, like, the best play. Like, you know, offer some of the most diverse things of their position. Like, so, you know, you need to have that. And if a defense can just take away one of those guys, like, if if I told you that the next defense that the Chiefs were going to play, which I guess is the Bengals, is going to say, okay, Travis Kelsey will not catch a pass. Like, I think that they, I mean, I think that there's a good chance the Bengals win that game. If, you know, if you're the Titans and you're, if you're playing the Titans and you're saying, okay, they're going to give the ball to Derrick Henry 18 times and we're going to hold him to under four yards and he's going to get no long touchdowns. Like, I, I, I don't care who's quarterback. I don't think A.J. Brown and insert quarterback here are going to be enough to beat that team in the playoffs. Like, maybe in the regular season, but I just don't think so in the playoffs. Like, And it's not really anybody's fault because, you know, if Julio stays healthy, cool. Like, if Julio's on the field on that last play and he's the, you know, if he runs the route that Nick Westbrook-Akina ran, I don't think he gets bullied off the ball like Nick Westbrook-Akina does, and I don't think it's an interception. So it's like, there's little things that you can blame whoever on like, you know, Corey Davis had his mystery injury or whatever and went out at halftime, which is the only reason why Khalif Raymond was getting a reception or a target. And they were also down Adam Humphreys. So it's like he like, and everybody's going to be banked up in the postseason. But if you're going to win a Super Bowl, you kind of need a little bit of health luck to stay like, to stay ready and to have those playmakers. So, you know, it's a hard question because if, Tannehill wins a Super Bowl, everybody will just say, ah, I'm sorry, Tannehill. Like, I was wrong. And like, and everybody's win-win. But if you're negative on a topic and you're just like, they can never win a Super Bowl with Tannehill, I mean, how many different players have won a Super Bowl at quarterback over the last 20 years? Like, not a lot. Like, Brady's won eight of them, it feels like. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a really easy thing to say, and it's a really easy thing to say, yeah, but are they going to beat the Chiefs? It's like, well... Maybe. I mean, like, that's why they play the games. So uh, it's it's a very, like, easy thing to say, and I don't think you can back it up. And I do think that nine times out of ten, if you put this defense with the offense that they had in the regular season uh, last year, I think that they, they may not win a Super Bowl, but they at least win a game or two, and then we're not having this conversation. We've still got a ton to talk about, but we don't have time. So to next week, we will punt all the assistant to, to the assistants that got fired. We hardly even talked about the good from the game, which was the defensive performance. 
And, and we haven't really talked about the offseason in the sense of like a, a, a general look at, at, at needs and stuff like that. And so we're, we're going to have another jam-packed episode next week. May take a little bit of time off after that to, to rest up from the grind of the long season. But we've still got a ton to talk about as we put the 2022 season to bed. We're not done, though, with this episode because we've still got the most important part, arguably, of this podcast – and that is the Stop the Nonsense segment, and that will be happening in just one moment. We are back for Stop the Nonsense, and I will say, there's been plenty of it, because in their ire and melancholy over this loss, Titans fans collectively broke out after this game and have posted some of the dumbest takes and opinions you will ever see on here. Will some of them make it into this conversation we're about to have? Who knows? But what do you guys got? Uh, I don't know where to start. Um, there's a, there's been I could I could talk about some of the stuff Titans fans have been saying. Um, I saw. A couple of people saying that we should trade Derrick Henry. Uh, that was that was an interesting uh, one. Is if Derrick Henry is not the entire offense for most of right. uh, most of our offensive success? Uh, yeah, uh, I, that that is insane to me. Um, as if we forgot that he ran for two thousand yards um, in twenty twenty and was on pace to run for two thousand yards again uh, this year. Sure, Foreman did fine. He he did well. Uh, Hilliard was was a decent, you know, um, third string running back also, but uh, it's just an insane take to me. Um, and I feel like Titans fans are, are kind of losing their mind a little bit. Probably have to just relax um, and, and take it one step at a time. Uh, another person who has to relax is uh, Juju Juju Smith Schuster. Um, there there was a report today uh, that he's interested in signing with the Chiefs uh, as a free agent. <laughs> As if he has any say on the matter, it's up to the Chiefs. I don't know why they would yeah, even want him. He has been quite bad um, for some time. Um, and my last stop nonsense is uh, Barry Bonds not being selected uh, to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, I think it's a little ridiculous, honestly. Like I get it, the whole steroids thing. I was on the other side of it for for a lot of it. Uh, but then I started realizing, you know, I, I don't think it, it really mattered all that much. We really don't know uh, if other people that are already in the Hall of Fame also took steroids. We really don't know. Um, and David Ortiz was elected uh, to the Baseball Hall of Fame. I'm pretty sure he also uh, was caught. Um, I think he was suspended for a positive um, for PEDs or, or one of those. So I find the I find the hypocrisy in baseball pretty funny and a little ridiculous but uh i won't delve too much into that because will has no idea what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah I, I heard you say something about like stocks and bonds or something i don't i don't know what any of these words mean <laughs> q it's getting my stop the nonsense oh q quentin spain was this yours will uh, no, I have another Bengals player, but I'm actually supporting them uh, in a okay. in a heel turn. Okay, but go ahead. So I'll talk about Quentin Spain, who tweeted and then promptly deleted the following. 
after getting his you-know-what beat by Jeffrey Simmons for the entire game. He tweeted this. Big 3.5 back wood of that Titans pack tonight, and F at Jeffrey Simmons. You can see me with the hands with your B.A. Okay, first of all, I have no idea what that means up until the first F-bomb. Big 3.5 backwood of that Titans pack tonight. I have no clue what that means. And any translation help there? I got nothing for you. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I think I'm the wrong demographic for this. But uh, <laughs> my understanding is that, like, you say that, like, it's it's kind of like uh, we're doing this like in honor of or like in memory of. It's like we're doing this because of something. I just, we, so we, it's like we spent like five minutes between Vrabel and AJ Brown at the podium trying to figure out what in the world this means. Um, so that, that's oh, my. I, you didn't you didn't ask AJ Brown because AJ Brown would have known. You meant before <laughs> they were like. Before, I was like I was like no I was like uh, I I'm surprised AJ doesn't know no. that but. Uh, uh, yeah, like I, I don't okay. know how to explain it really any better than that. So that's the first thing is I didn't understand what it meant. First of all, the 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 Bengals won the game, right? And 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 they deserve to win with the way that Burrow played and the you know their defense getting the takeaways and taking advantage of Tannehill's mistakes. Uh, but like the offensive line had an all time bad performance. Like this was not the game for Quentin Spain or anyone else up front offensively for the Bengals to be trash talking. Like this was the game where you thank your lucky stars. You head to the locker room and, and, you know, get back to the practice field on Wednesday. So just, they got killed. I mean, Jeffrey Simmons ate them alive as did Autry Landry and Dupree. And then the third thing is of all the people that were in that building on Sunday, about 70,000 at least, excuse me on Saturday, not an empty seat, you know, both teams, staffs, everything, reporters. Jeffrey Simmons is number 70,000 in terms of people I would most want to fight. He would be dead last on that list. Vrabel would be a close, like, 69,999. He'd, he'd be that close second. But who in the world's wanting to throw hands with Jeff Simmons? Good night. Terrible. Decision on your part, Quentin Spain. Yeah, he didn't want to do it in the middle of the game. <laughs> his <laughs> his hands were barely on uh, Simmons before he got by. I mean, like, look, like, I, I get, like, it, it's a really cool thing to do, like, once the game is over to kind of, like, hide and record yourself and be like, Exactly, yeah, that's what this is. It's the you. classic, like, you know, fake tough guy thing. Yeah, it's like, I mean, they got their teeth kicked in. Like, I, I mean, honestly, like, if... Jackrabbit Jenkins has that interception. Like, if it doesn't bounce off his hands and, like, it's a pick six, everybody all week is talking about how this is, like, the best performance of all time. And they'd ask, like, could the Titans' defense win a game without any points from the Titans' offense? Like, if if they had scored points, like, that's the only thing they didn't do. Because they had nine sacks, but nobody talks about the two sacks that got waved off because – uh, you were in the stadium. Nobody could hear the whistle. Not the offensive lineman. Not the quarterback. Yeah, that, nobody. That was on the officials. Burrow, they should have like. I know we couldn't hear the whistle, but yeah. like there was also no indication from their body language that the play was over. And Burrow got crushed well, twice. Yeah, the good thing, like I mean, in the stands, like I, I mean, I was 
probably one of the one percent that was like I would like watch the play clock and I would like look and I think the back judge tried to signal on the delay game and then on the timeout like a uh, Zach Taylor is that is that his name Taylor um he like he like was trying he was screaming like he was running like on the field trying to take a timeout and he signaled it and it got called and the whistle blew but nobody could hear because it was so loud. So, like, the whistle's blowing, and nobody can see it. So, I see the ref running on the field, and I'm like, oh, no, they're going to get, like, an unnecessary roughness because they just smoked uh, Burrow, like, in the legs, too. But, like, anyway, like, that should have been Simmons's fourth or fifth sack yeah. or whatever it was. Like, um, but, yeah, like, it, it's it's a dumb thing. <laughs> it's a dumb thing for Spain to say, like, I, I wouldn't even remind people that you were, like, on that team for a week. Like, I mean, I, I would have been like proud of my squad and that's it. All right. Well, um, what do you got? You said it's a different Bengals is, player. Yeah. So this is, a, it's actually a quote from last year that's being circulated around. And, uh, because the chiefs or the, um, Bengals are going to play the chiefs in arrowhead. And, uh, Joe Burrow said last year, uh, it gets way louder in the sec than any of the, uh, any of these, uh, NFL stadiums. Yeah. And uh, the big thing going around is, um, uh, somebody quote tweeted Lawrence Tynes, uh, quote tweeted it, that, that image or whatever, and said, to be fair, Joe has never played an arrowhead. Having said that he's in for a rude awakening. There's no place louder in sports and it's not up for debate. And that's very much like, tell me you've never been to an sec game without tell me, telling me you've ever been to an sec game. Yeah. Because, I had no problem with Joe Burrow's comments there. Yeah. Cause he's right. Like, I mean, I've been to a Tennessee Vanderbilt game that was, so loud that I was in the press box and it was like shaking the glass. Like it was so incredibly loud. Like it, like I, I love the NFL. I lean the NFL on 90% of the things where there's differences, but the atmosphere in college football, if for no other reason than the student section guarantees that you're going to have, you know, at least in the SEC that you're going to have 20 to 30,000 loud, drunk, 20 year old kids like screaming and then you have the rest of the stands too that you know we've got people screaming like if you have a hundred thousand people and the you know arrowhead has seventy thousand or whatever it fits and then you just said okay what if we take arrowheads clientele and then we add thirty thousand loud drunk students you know screaming as loud as they can for the whole game like it's not it's not a fair comparison and anybody who doesn't understand that is just showing their ignorance and it's not a diss to the NFL. It's just a different product. Yeah. I'm with you there. All right. Next week, we will be back to talk about everything we didn't get to talk about in this episode. Additionally, you'll definitely want to come back because we will be breaking down what Mike Vrabel and the Titans coaching staff needs to do to emerge victorious in the pro bowl. Full strategic breakdown coming up. Keys to the game, offense, defense. It's going to be great. Not really. We're not going to talk about that. Can't wait. Can't wait. (laughs) Appreciate everyone sticking with us, tuning in. We'll see you all next week. Until then, for Will and Matias, I'm Luke reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.